Well, good morning. Did y'all survive the snow apocalypse? 2020. Woo! It really was a lot stronger on the west than the east. For us, we just looked out the window, enjoyed some big flakes for about 30 minutes, and it was it was real. You know what? It was really nice. We haven't had that in a long time, have we? Kind of like showing up to church on a Sunday morning and finding out that Pastor Josh is speaking. <laughs> really nice, really nice. <laughs> While you guys are clapping, like four or five of them just went out that back door. Ushers, could we bring them back in? This is, that's ridiculous. All right. <clears throat> Pastor Dan shared a caroling story with you guys the other day, and in light of all the snow we've received, I wanted to share with you a a caroling snow story as well. This dates back about 15 years. Amber and I had just begun youth ministry. Some of the parents had this idea to go caroling, so we did. So we got a bunch of kids, put them in a van, went to about six different places. And uh, we went to a nursing home, and we went to an elderly person's home, and then we went to a family member, and then we just did about four or five places, and then we were going to finish up at Des and Mary's house. And so everything was going according to plan, and then we all showed up and surprised Des and Mary, knocked on their doorbell and just started singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you, and they opened the door, and they, you know, they, they, they tolerated us for a couple of songs, and uh, they were friendly, and uh, when it got to our third and last song, we were going to do Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. And we had already been doing this at the previous four or five spots. We, we bought two, like, Sam's Wholesale club size boxes of potato flakes. And so we had one for a junior hire on this side and one for a junior hire on this side. And so as we're singing, every time we say Let It Snow, they would dip into the box and, and just sprinkle a little, little bit of snow. And it really was great. Problem was... Of the four or five previous stops, a couple of them were indoors. We really couldn't snow. And so really, we had about 80, 85% of the boxes left. And I didn't give it any thought. I just figured we're going to go into this song. Well, those two junior hires did give it some thought. And they said it would be a crying shame to have any potato flakes left over (laughs) at the end of this song. And so we're singing, and all of a sudden, this deluge of potato flakes is just raining down on us and we're all laughing and Des and Mary thinks it's great. Anyway, we finished our songs and they have emptied that box. I mean, at the very end, it literally was this. I mean, whatever was left, it was emptied. We all said our goodbyes. They appreciated us. They thanked us. They probably gave us tea and crumpets or whatever Des and Mary would do. And then we finally left and I didn't give it any other thought. Come to work the next Monday. And Pastor Des says, Joshua. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> Joshua, it's sprinkled at our house the morning after you caroled. And henceforth, Mary was out in the front yard shoveling mashed potatoes. <laughs> so that was our caroling story. So I encourage you guys. Carol more often. You never know when a good story will come out of it. All right, today we are going to look at the book of Joshua, the inspiring, the challenging, the victorious, and the extremely difficult book of Joshua. By the way, I really hope you guys are reading along with us in the Immerse readings. How many of you guys are? I know many, many, many are. Good. Have you experienced the challenge of the book of Joshua yet? Yeah, it's, it's a challenging one. 
It's really amazing to consider that 3,425 years ago, approximately, Joshua was being encouraged by God to do the very same thing that we have been encouraged to do all these many years later. And that's this in Joshua verse 8 of chapter 1. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will prosper and succeed. Of course, Joshua had a a much smaller book back then. He had the first five books. And he was, of course, living out the book that we're reading right now. But nonetheless, it's still the same then as it is today. That the word of God should not be uh, forgotten. It is required reading. If by chance you've not started yet, I hope this message will kind of get you in the mood and a little extra boost to get you going. All right, so the book of Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible. And it's the first book after the Pentateuch, which is just the Greek name given for the first five books of the Bible. Coincidentally, the Torah is the Hebrew name given for the first five books of the Bible. But you all already know all that. Here's a word that you might not know, and I certainly did not before studying. The Hexateuch. The Hexateuch uh, is the book of Joshua tacked on to the end of the Pentateuch. It's the first six books of the Old Testament. And uh, it's, a coin, it's, a, it's a word that was coined in about 1870, and, uh, and it's just that. It's the Pentateuch plus Joshua. I know it's a weird term, but it will uh, be important to us today because it connects the first five with the sixth, and I think it connects it in some pretty cool ways. So I've, I personally like the term because it recognizes the importance of the, uh, the transition between all six of those books, and it's really helpful. So, after the first five books of the, of the Bible, the children of Israel are literally on the doorstep of the promised land, and Joshua will ultimately lead them on in, of course, with the grace of God. So again, there are so many cool links between the first five and that sixth book, and especially between Joshua and Exodus. And I wanna take a little bit of time to, to look at some of those. So as my introduction, I want to show you the striking connections, the striking links, just in case you haven't connected all the dots before. So, Moses and Joshua. Anybody taking notes this morning? Good, this, this is one of those taking notes kind of things, and it might, some of it might go a little, little too fast, and I apologize. Moses and Joshua both had a water crossing moment. Moses crosses the Red Sea, Joshua crosses the Jordan River. Moses and Joshua both had a sending out the spies moment. Moses sends out 12, 10 of them came back with a bad report, two came back with a good report. Coincidentally, it's Joshua and Caleb come back with a good report. Later on, 40 years later on, when Joshua is ready to send out some spies, he doesn't send out 12, he sends out two. I doubt that's a coincidence. Moses and Joshua both had a take off your sandals moment. Moses in front of the burning bush, and Joshua, do you remember that one? Yep. In front of the commander of the Lord's, of the Lord's army. Both of them had a supernatural, God fought my battle for us moment. If you remember all the plagues uh, that Moses, uh, they, he, God fought the battle through all those plagues. And then with Joshua, it was the walls of Jericho. Both of them, Moses and Joshua, had a bunch of I heard from the Lord moments. Though Joshua was the first to be told, hey, meditate on this book, because Moses wrote down the book of the law, and then Joshua was the first in a long line of people who were told, meditate on this, this book, 
day and night because this will help you succeed. This will allow you to succeed and to prosper. Later on when the kings would take their thrones in Israel and then later on in the divided kingdoms, the southern and the north, they would be told, meditate on this book. Joshua was told it, the kings are told it, and we are told it uh, to this day. And the good kings did well and they did that and the bad ones didn't. And uh, it still works the same way for us today. Those who are meditating and in the word and knowing God will succeed and prosper. All right, so let's continue. Uh, Let's see, they were both established by God to lead. They both had significant Passover moments. Moses's was right before the 10th plague, uh, and then Joshua's was as at Gilgal before the Battle of Jericho. Both defeated their respective enemies, Moses the Egyptians and Joshua the Canaanites, and both had visions before major events. Both intervened between God and the Israelites on the people's behalf, and both gave great farewell speeches, amongst several other similarities that I've certainly uh, and surely missed. It's a lot of similarities between the two, isn't it? Have you ever connected all those dots? A lot going on there, and I think God was making it plain to the people. As I was with Moses, I will be with Joshua. As I was with them and you then, I will be with you now. Moses and Joshua. Joshua really is a remarkable book. We all admitted earlier it's a difficult one, yep, but it's remarkable. And a lot of people don't enjoy it because the first half is brutal, a lot of killings. The second half is boring, a lot of divvying out the land. Let's just be honest. And yet, having said that, we know that every bit of scripture has purpose, and I hope today that as we engage this great book that you can appreciate it even more than you ever have before. So as we do, I want to admit to you one thing that I was most surprised to find in my studies, and that was that Joshua is actually an incredibly encouraging book. It surprised me, it really did. And so today my hope is to share with you some of the encouragement that I found within the pages of Joshua. It is absolutely there amongst the bloody and amongst the boring. It's absolutely there, but you've got to look for it. And I'm gonna point it out to you. The pastor in me this morning knows that this is a difficult book, but the pastor in me also knows that if we embrace it, there is so much that we can pull out of it, and I, and I wanna share it with you. All right, today we're gonna consider three things. The person, the promises, and the problems found in the book of Joshua. The person, the promises, and the problems. And yes, that is alliteration. And that is a tip of the hat to Des Evans. I do not often speak like this, but I'd kind of do it today as a tribute to him. Speaking of Des, I want to share with you a clip. This is actually an introduction to a video announcement back in the day before all the rains were put on me. Rightfully so. <laughs> and actually they weren't, they were just, I think I just got old. So this is actually an introduction uh, of a video announcement and I just wanted to share it with you and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna hopefully use it to get you in the proper mood because we're about to get into some major points. So ch- check this out from the days of old.
All right. Anybody remember that one? Remember that one back in the day? You might also remember such favorites as Josh cooking the chicken in the parking lot when it was like 100 degrees for like 50 straight days, or we cooking the egg on the, on the car or doing the sign out here. Do you remember the sign? That was, some of those are lost to time and history, but Brent found that one this week, so thank you, Brent. <laughs> Do you still have some of the others? All right, well, if we ever need to punish the folks, we can pull those out. All right, so we're going to look at the person, the promises, and the problems found in the book of Joshua. And I want to admit right now, we are not going to get to the problems. Okay, so Marty, if you're willing... I'll come and speak about the problems found in the book of Joshua on a Wednesday night sometime. Just schedule me in later in the year, and we're going to talk about the conquest, all the bloody killings, how in the world can this be, and it's amazing when you really dig into it, there's a lot of stuff that will make sense and even open your heart and your mind and a greater understanding of the Lord, and, uh, and it, there are good answers to the problems. We're not going to get there. Uh, we're hoping to get out of here by 1230. That ain't going to happen if I do all three. <clears throat> so... Person, promises, and not the problems. So Joshua the person. Joshua was the son of Nun. Not Nun, but Nun. I had a kid in youth group go, what happened to Josh? Why didn't he have a dad? And and, No, it's N-U-N, not N-O-N-E. So Joshua the son of Nun. Here's some stuff about Joshua that you need to be reminded of. Joshua was a faithful man. Joshua was loyal to Moses. Joshua was a mighty warrior. And in fact, a lot of mighty warriors in our own day have looked to Joshua and been so impressed and inspired by him, including five-star General MacArthur of the U.S. Army. He listed Joshua as one of the greatest generals in world history. He was an accomplished leader, but more than that, God used Joshua as a type of Jesus in the Old Testament. Said differently, Joshua was a prophetic representation of Jesus long before Jesus came to this earth as a baby. Let me explain. Joshua means the Lord saves. And the Greek translation of the word Joshua is actually the word Jesus. Matthew 1, 20 through 21 speaks of Jesus. It says, but after he had cons- considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Most study notes at that point will say Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua. Your Bible probably says that, which in Hebrew, Joshua is Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. So again, verse 21 says, give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In contrast, Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land and into victory over the Canaanites. Jesus later comes to lead all people into the promise of salvation and into victory over sin and death. So the person of Joshua is a representation of of Jesus in the Old Testament and he is an encouraging sign of even greater things to come which would be fulfilled 1438 years later not by the son of none but by the son of God Joshua Yeshua Jesus that's pretty cool for nerds like us that like that kind of thing let me share two more encouragements out of the book of Joshua and and then we can move on to the promises Joshua first thing Joshua did brave things 
but he was at first weak, scared, and overwhelmed. Joshua was 80 years old when he took over for Moses. Those are the two encouraging things, two more encouraging things that I pulled out of the scripture. So we're gonna take those one at a time. Joshua did brave things, but he was at first, at least at first, weak, scared, and overwhelmed. I want us to look at Joshua 1, verses six through nine, but instead of assuming the very best, I want you to just read it plainly, and I want you to allow your common sense to imagine why God would choose to say repeatedly what he chose to say. Imagine what the other person in the conversation must have been feeling or speaking back to warrant such a conversation with God. Verse six, seven, and eight. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Hey, do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Did you see it? When you read it a little differently and you're looking for what's the conversation, what's it really looking like? The Lord is telling him to be strong because Joshua feels weak. He's telling him to be courageous because that was not his first emotion. He's telling him to not be terrified because he was terrified to not be discouraged because he was discouraged. You know what that makes Josh? Human. Joshua was like you and Joshua was like me and that is encouraging to know. We know how the story ends. He does amazing great things. But this is how it begins. I'm scared. I'm fearful, I'm overwhelmed. Can you imagine Joshua? Think about it. He had utmost confidence in Moses as the leader and he knew somehow God was gonna provide for them as long as Moses is the leader and then they get on the doorstep of the promised land and Moses dies and now he's the leader and he knows his inabilities, he knows his weaknesses, he's human too and so the conversation there it tells a lot, and to me, to me it's really, really encouraging. And we see it again in the Apostle Paul's remarks in 2 Corinthians 12, when he spoke of his weakness and, his, and the thorn in his flesh. And I want you to look at that New Testament passage kind of the same way we looked at the Old Testament. This is Paul saying, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Why would God say that to Paul? unless maybe Paul was feeling insufficient, unless maybe Paul was feeling weak. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul continues to say, therefore, here's his response, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. 
I delight in insults. I delight in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, I don't know about you, but that encourages me. Joshua, one of the greatest military leaders in the history of the world. Paul, Paul, I mean, Paul's a superstar. He's a hero of the faith. Both of those folks started out with fear, with feelings of overwhelmment, overwhelmingness, something like that, something, something, <clears throat> and, uh, and discouragement, uh, and yet God's talking to them, and when I read those passages, it's super encouraging, and I wanted to share that with you. Paul did great things, but he had some issues. Thorn in his side, all that. So be encouraged, the heroes of old were flawed men and women just like you. The second one. The first one was Joshua did brave things, but he had first feelings of weakness and he was scared and overwhelmed. Second, Joshua was 80 years old when he took the lead. Have you consider this when you read this? Josephus was an ancient Jewish historian and he believed that Joshua was 40 years old at the time of the exodus from Egypt. So after all that wandering in the desert for 40 years, Joshua would have been 80 years old when Moses died and then he took command. That means the, pre- the preparation process for Joshua was 80 years. Charles Spurgeon once said, if I knew I had 20 years to live, I would spend the first 20 years in preparation. We live in an incredibly impatient society, don't we? We can be so impatient. And some of you guys are aspiring to leadership roles in your life, and that is fantastic, but don't get impatient. God has a plan for you. And wherever you are in life, you are in a place where you can build your character, your skills, your wisdom, etc. And basically, if you're not there yet, then you're in a place of preparation. And that's not a bad place. Joshua was there for 80 years. And the fact is, it might take a little longer than you think it should. Joshua prepared for 80 years. David was anointed king by Samuel. And then the next weekend, he was on the throne except it wasn't the next weekend. It was 15 years. It was 15 years. Samuel anointed David king, and then 15 years later, he finally takes the throne. He must have been pretty impatient himself, or he was reading about Joshua and saying, praise God, it wasn't 80. (laughs) Lucky me. David, 15 years. Joshua, 80 years. Moses, Joshua's predecessor, fled Egypt at the age of 40 because he thought delivering his people looked like killing that Israelite, or excuse me, that, uh, the Egyptian, only they didn't have to flee for his life. And then he runs off to Midian and spends the next 40 years before he goes back to Egypt to deliver his people, the Israelites. So Moses, 40 years of preparation when he thought he was about to start, 40 more years. So be encouraged, God has not forgotten you. Has he put a promise Has he put a dream? Has he given you aspirations for greater things? And I'm not talking about even selfishly. I'm talking in your life, in your family, in your work, in your community. Has he put something on your heart? Has it not happened yet? Be encouraged. God has not forgotten you. He has a plan. Preparation will likely take longer than you think. But if you want the slow path, or excuse me, if you don't want the slow path, if you want to take the fast path, think of Saul. Think of King Saul. He got the quick one. He was anointed, he was king. His life quickly spiraled out of place because he was not prepared. Then think of David. He was anointed, 
15 years later, he takes the throne and we remember him as a great king. Was he still flawed? Does he still make mistakes along the way? Yes, again, encouraging to me (laughs) and maybe encouraging to you too. All right, so be patient. Joshua, after all, waited 80 years and then he finally got his shot. So there's the person, there's the promises. The person, uh, when I studied the person of Joshua, I, honestly, I walked away surprised and very encouraged for those reasons we just talked about. Now I wanna look at the promises. And there are several promises made in the first nine verses of Joshua chapter one, and I want us to read them, and then I want us to decide, and you decide within your own heart, do these things still apply to me today? Do these things still apply to us today? I'm not gonna put these on the screen, I just want you to listen. Uh, after the, de- the death of Moses, this is verse one and two, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you, about to give the Israelites. Verse three, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert, to, the, the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. All right, I wanna pause there, since we're talking about promises. It's important to know that the the land that God promises Israel is actually larger than modern day Israel. What was promised also includes large portions of of Jordan, of Syria, of Lebanon, and even Iraq. Therefore, this promise of God has only been partially fulfilled and it's still hanging out there to this day. It's ebbed and flowed through history at its highest uh, when David was in charge and it's, it's shrunk and even just in the last 100 years, there's all of a sudden a modern day Israel that wasn't even there 100 years ago. And so it's ebbed and flowed but it still has not reached the level of the promise. Please recognize though that the reason the promise has gone unfulfilled is not because God was unfaithful or incapable. Instead, it's because the people were unfaithful. As you continue to read in the book of Joshua and beyond, you're gonna see apathy, disobedience, fear, and unbelief creep in and hinder the people from claiming all that God has promised them. And the same can be true to us today. Therefore, I encourage you to know the word and to trust in his promises. We will succeed if we do that. If you don't know the word, you can't know his promises. And you can't live in his promises if we don't know the word. Knowing the word has not gone out of style. It is still required reading, and that's why I appreciate Pastor Dan taking us all through this immerse uh, study together. Each one of us must choose to not be ignorant, to not turn back, and to not settle for less than God has promised. Why don't we take a moment to ask the Lord, is there an area in my life where I have settled for less than you promised? And if there is, we can fix that. We've gotta address it, we've gotta recognize it, and then we've gotta step into it. And it's gonna take bold steps to step into his promises because you're probably settled where you're at because it's more comfortable. 
because that's scary, because that's overwhelming. That's what Joshua felt too. He felt those same things, and yet he then said, you know what, but I'm gonna trust God, and God fought for him. God showed up for him, and he stepped into those promises. So that's for you. Step into those promises. Verse five and six. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Again, the pastor in me wants to take a few moments here to connect all those promises that were just jam-packed into those verses. And I want, you to, I want to show you that those were Old Testament promises to Joshua. And now I want to show you equivalents and counterparts in the New Testament so that you can walk in them. So let's start with verse five, where God promises Joshua that he will overcome his enemies. No one, he says, no one will be able to stand against you. Has, have any of you faced an enemy before and God fought that enemy for you? Like, have you actually, do you know what I'm talking, like, when, can you think of an example? You can? Because I went through that even just about a year ago. I remember thinking, if you don't do this next step, I have no idea how to. Like, I don't, I don't have anything. And I was challenged to be strong and to be courageous. And Lord, I invite you to fight my battles. And he really does do that. Raise your hand again if you've had that experience. Isn't that amazing? He fights our battles. And so the scripture, the promise was given way back then. Uh, no one will be able to stand against you. But here it is in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 through 5. When we read promises of God, feel free to be encouraged by them. Feel free to hold on to them, write them down, reference them later, because if he promised it, he will stand behind his promise. Amen? Amen. All right, so... 1 John 5, 4 through 5 promises us that we overcome the world. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In the Old Testament, God promises Joshua that he will overcome his enemies, the Canaanites right in front of him. Jesus opens it up even larger and says, you know what? <clears throat> You're gonna overcome the world. I'm not talking about a specific time and place and per people. I'm talking about the world because you believe in the Son of God. Verse five also promises that Joshua, uh, promises Joshua that God was with Moses, so God will be with him as well. And I can, even, I can just imagine the, the thought process here or the conversation going on. I know you're with Moses, but will you be with me? Yes, I promise you, I will be with you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says to us though, that God will be with us unto the very end of the age. It's part of, the, of the, uh, the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Joshua was promised that, hey, 
I was with Moses, I'll be with you too. Jesus comes on, God comes on top of that and says, you know what, I'm actually promising to be with you to the very end of the age, so get to work. Again, in verse five, promises Joshua uh, God's continuing faithfulness. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And here in the New Testament, Hebrews 13:5, it reminds us to keep our lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you nor forsake you. The reason I bring these up are, are this. It's easy to read the stories of old and see how God showed up for the people of old and maybe just doubt a little bit that he might do that for me or maybe not do that for me today. Not only will he do it because he is a consistent God, he's re-promised it in the New Testament and typically even in a larger fashion. So the Lord has said to you, never will I leave you nor will I forsake you. That was true for Joshua, that's true for you too. Again, I was surprised by all the encouragement out of this book. All right, I know I'm talking kind of like academic a little bit. Am I boring you to death? <laughs> Good, that really is an encouragement to me because I was about to call Pastor Dan up here to, to finish for us. First Corinthians uh, 15. Okay, okay, so in verse six, we're gonna move on to verse six. Verse six promises Joshua victory over his enemies. And 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 57 promises promise all of us absolute victory, not over an enemy, not over a, a specific group, but over sin and over death, a much grander, larger enemy that says the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody walking in that victory today? Amen. Also in Revelation 21.4, it promises us a similar victory. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And finally in verse six, God promises Joshua that he will keep his promises. God promises Joshua that he'll keep his promises. I can just imagine the conversation. I know you said that, but are you sure? I promise you that I'll keep my promise. It's, it's just, he has to really reiterate it. He says um, specifically in that the people will inherit the land that he swore to their forefathers. Because if you go back into Genesis, you see uh, God promising this land and all these years later, here they are about to walk in it. And Joshua's like, are you sure you'll keep the promise that you gave us way back then? Because I'm about to put my life on the line. I'm the one that has to step across it. And if this Jericho thing don't work out, it's over. This is gonna be bad. And, uh, and God says, look, I promise to keep my promises. And he does, and you can trust in the Lord for that. Paul later wrote concerning Abraham in the book of Romans chapter 21, verse 20 through 24. Again, this is New Testament, the same promise made to us today in the New Testament. Because some people have trouble, like if it's in the Old Testament, some people have trouble, well, I don't know if that still applies. There are some things that don't. Generally, they're ceremonial. It's, it's a sacrifice of a dove. It's, um, it's what kind of bull to bring and how to slaughter it. Those types, of fulfill, those types of things have been fulfilled. Those types of laws have been fulfilled with Christ. He was our lamb, the, the, the spotless lamb that was slain for all. So he's taking care of those things. There's a few others in there that's like, you know, don't wear cotton if it's mixed with polyester, you know, stuff like that. 
Those, will, those are civil laws. There's actually a law in there that talks about, you know, when you build a flat roof, make sure you have a ledge on it. Those are civil laws. Generally speaking, those laws have been fulfilled because we don't live in a theocracy anymore. God is not our president. We live in, in the United States of America or someone across the ocean might live in France and those countries give those civil laws for them. But the laws that generally are remained after you take away the ceremonial and the civil are things like don't kill, don't murder people. You know, I said kill, but really it should be murder. There's a difference, uh, a grand difference. Don't murder people, don't lie, don't steal. Those are the moral laws. Those are the ones we need to hold on to, and those are the ones that we absolutely need to follow. Uh, don't worry about your polyester blend. Uh, people have walked away from the Lord because they haven't gotten that straightened out. It's just, it's ridiculous. So Paul later writes this in Romans. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. What that means is when we lean in on a promise of God, God credits to us as righteousness, just like Abraham trusted Paul's looking back and saying, you know what? It was credited to him as righteousness uh, and it'll be the same for us. When we trust what the Lord said, when we believe in his promises, when we act in accordance to that, he credits that as righteousness. That's how we please and make God happy. All right, so what's the main point? The main point, the point is that the Lord is faithful. He was then, he is now. And he has a history of working with imperfect people, even weak, scared, and overwhelmed people. So if you're feeling weak, scared, or overwhelmed, you're just like Joshua. You're just like um, Paul. But they chose to trust in the Lord and to take the next step and not just to stay in their weakness and in their fear. And lastly, the point is that God's, God's promises can be trusted and that many of them still apply to us today. Is that an encouragement to anybody in the room? Amen. All right, so the person, the promises, and the problems, and this is when you're like, yes. The other half of the message got, got pushed to another day so we can keep on moving on. So I'm not gonna talk about the problems, but if you're interested, whenever we do talk about it, it's, it's all the difficult ones. It's the stuff about the conquest. Why is he telling them to kill the, the babies and the mamas, and that's tough stuff. And I'm not gonna give you, a, I mean, I'm, I've studied it, and you've probably studied it too, but I'm not gonna give you an answer, and then you'll be like, Yay, you know, it's still a hard one. It's a hard one to read. It's really, it's really, it's really difficult. But I'm telling you, it's amazing. I've got a list of about 12 things I'd like to share. It's amazing uh, the comfort and, and whenever you lay it all out and you look at all the scripture and how it unfolds and you look at some of those, it's just really amazing that there's, there's answers to that. So if that part of the scripture, if that part of Joshua bothered you too, yeah, me too, get in line. It's a tough, it's a tough book. Uh, but there are answers to that. God is not a moral monster like Richard Dawkins accuses him to be. God is an amazing God, and he's a loving God, and he even balances between judgment and loving ever so perfectly. Because if he has a character trait, he always does it perfectly. He always does it holy with holiness. All right, so the person, the promises, and then the problems for a later day. So in conclusion, I look at this new year, 2020, and I imagine us to be on the threshold of new beginnings. Maybe at work, maybe in your family, 
maybe in some of your friendships or your relationships, maybe your health, maybe your finances, but I imagine you to be right on the threshold of something new, just like the children of Israel were right on the doorstep of the promised land. And just as the Israelites were there, they were filled with uncertainty, even fear, anxiety, excitement, all those things at once. Uh, it's, it's understandable for us to be in that same spot. But I wanna encourage you, as we're there, we could look back at the end of this year and say, wow, 2020 was the year that I broke through, that I stepped into that promised land, that I stepped into that promise that I had been waiting on for so long, that I've been preparing on for so long. And if that's gonna be the case, it's gonna be because you, like a Joshua in the past, said, you know what? I'm scared, I'm fearful, I'm excited, I'm honored to be chosen, but I'm scared to death to step into it. I'm gonna trust in the Lord. And I'm gonna trust what he says and what he has said to be true, and I'm gonna step out there and I'm gonna believe that he's gonna fight my battles for me and with me, and I'm gonna believe that what he said is, is real. And so I wanna encourage you guys that as you're going into 2020, uh, this could be a huge year for you. This could be a huge year for us as a church. And um, even, if it, even if you're like 80 years old and you've been like waiting for that promise to take place, I wanna encourage you that's how old Joshua was. That's how old Moses was. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of people, and so it's, it's, uh, it's not too late in the game to trust in the Lord. He's not, he's not done yet. So, from a pastor, I wanted to bring some encouragement because I know that we're reading this book together, and it's a tough book. It's a tough one to read. And yet, so many times, a little thing here or there would pop up and I'd go back and study it and it brought me such encouragement and I wanted to bring it to you because I believe in you and I wanna see you and I wanna see us step forward into the promises of God and it ain't gonna happen unless we lean into the Lord and, and do as he says. And so I wanted to bring that word to you this morning and now I wanna bring up Pastor Dan to clean up and to conclude. <laughs> Otherwise I can keep on going. But I do wanna say this to Pastor Dan. I believe in this more and more thing. I believe in it. I believe that uh, like Joshua, I wanna see more and more and I wanna see it with my own eyes and I wanna walk it with my own feet and I think by the grace of God, we can absolutely do it this year. God bless you. <laughs>